if you sell one book to the right customer, that's the only book you ever need to sell. And now it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, indeed, I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. I've got a special treat for you guys today for everybody who has a book on their bucket list. You know I'm speaking to you. Everybody has one of those. Everybody talks about writing a book, but almost nobody ever does it. The funny thing is, though, that a lot of people think about writing a book because they think they're going to make millions of dollars. They think about the, the, the Harry Potter later, one of the big spy novelists, and think about all the millions of dollars of royalties that they make. And yet, there are thousands of books that are published on an annual basis in the United States and around the world that never achieve that level of sales, but still bring a huge amount of benefit to their authors. And I'm bringing to you today Chuck Boyce, who's CEO of Authority Media Group. Chuck recently wrote an article on the Huffington Post, the title of which was, Being a Bestseller is Not All About Sales. And I saw that headline, and I read the article, and I thought, you know, this is a guy who has a lot of great information to share with listeners of Radio Free Enterprise. And so I've asked him to join me today. Uh, Chuck is the CEO of Authority Media Group, as I mentioned. And what they do is they're a publishing house that specializes in working with busy professionals, business owners, professional people, to help them get their message out in the form of a book so that they can claim their authority position in the marketplace. Chuck Boyce, welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Thanks for having me, Frank. I appreciate you being here. I, uh, you know, I, you and I apparently have uh, a bit in common going back into what you <laughs> called the the golden age of publishing was the way you referred to it uh, back in the good old days of of uh, light tables and and uh, wax machines and pasting up galleys on paste up boards doesn't seem like much of a golden age to me except why I remember how the wax would turn brown over time yep maybe that was the <laughs> a lot of burnt knuckles in that uh, in those days yes that wax was hot I remember that so in any event you obviously have paid your dues and spent a lot of time in the publishing industry I'm curious, I'm, this is a big deal that you're talking about here, and clearly it was sufficiently a big deal to show up in the Huffington Post and, and catch my attention, I imagine a lot of other people's attention. Um, can you give me an example of what exactly it is that you do before we talk about the ins and outs of somebody writing a book and how it can benefit them? Can you give me an example of what it is that you do for a client, maybe somebody recently that came to you who had an idea for a book, what how, what happened when they came in and what happened then? Sure. So we recently worked with a, a client who is a IRS tax resolution attorney. So we've mm -hmm. all seen their ads on TV. They're doing huge radio spends. He really wanted to do something different to be able to reach out to those uh, people that are having an issue with the IRS and just don't know which way to turn. Um, certainly, uh, I've done that dance with the IRS, and, and I know that the ability to figure that out and play by their rules, which seems to change every day, is, is truly tough. So we worked with uh, this author, this attorney, 
to create a book that he called the IRS Battle Guide. And when that book- Oh, what a great title. Yeah, it really, it's and it's a great book. So the author is Darren Mish, uh, and as I said, he's an IRS tax attorney down in Tampa, Florida. Uh, worked with him over uh, about a 60-day period. So he was really committed to getting this book and this information out to uh, the world and to anybody that was dealing with the IRS. So we were able to kind of work with him, build a manuscript, get that book out available online, on sale for at Amazon and and all of the major book retailers in about a 60-day period and launched that book to top 10 bestseller status across about a half a dozen different Amazon bestseller lists. Since that book's been out um, and people have uh, continued to buy it, the book's maintained a a top 100 uh, rating for – almost six months now. Um, and he's reported back to us that he's picked up at least three um, mid five figure cases for him just from people that were out on Amazon, had a tax problem, found his book, bought it, and then actually reached out to work with him to have him uh, go to bat for them against the IRS. Boy, that's a tremendous return on investment right there. Absolutely. Mm, that's a great story. Great example. Thank you for hitting that nail right on the head. Okay, so it's clear what the value is uh, to a prospective client, or or at least uh, there are many different levels of value to it. My question is, how did you go from from leaning over a a light table, pasting up galleys, to being the CEO of Authority Media Group and and getting these kind of results uh, for people like that tax attorney? What was the the tangential moment that uh, something clicked in your mind and you thought, Wow, this this is a place where I can bring tremendous value. Well, it, I wish it was a, a straight line journey, but like so many of us, we've taken a winding road to get from where we were 25 years ago to where we're at today. Uh, for me, it really started, and I really started to see the value of this uh, about eight years ago when I had left my own corporate job and was looking to establish myself back into uh, into a professional standalone uh, business. And I had worked with another uh, publisher at the time to get my own books out and get them to a bestseller status. And so this was still eight mm. or nine years ago when it was still tough. Um, we didn't have the technologies that we had today. But over the past several years, working with uh, so many busy professionals with great content and great stories to tell, really became apparent that with my background in traditional publishing and all of these new great tools here, that it really became almost for me a calling of bringing those things together at this moment of time to really take all I knew about publishing, use today's tools, and help these busy professionals get their message out into the marketplace so that their prospects or patients or clients could find them and they could then bring their magic or their calling to their prospective clients. What a tremendous story that is, Chuck. I love how you said that it's a calling. Uh, And that's uh, where the word vocation literally comes from. You're called to do this. And uh, I just, that's so wonderful and straight from the heart. I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, one thing I, I want to ask you very quickly about or just get your reaction on, it's a, it's an irony that 
in today's digital world, uh, things like magazines, newspapers, and printed books uh, often can seem passe, and yet they still retain a tremendous amount of gravitas and credibility when somebody uh, is able to present themselves as a published author and, and hand over a book in lieu of a resume or a business card. What's your reaction to that statement? Uh, I really agree, and, and it's something I like to call the thud factor. Um, if you compare <laughs> the amount of impact that a business card makes when you drop on a desk versus the impact that a printed book makes when you drop on someone's desk, um, it is significantly different. The other nice thing about using your book as your calling card, and I've been doing it probably for the better part of seven years, um, is business cards tend to find their way into a folder, into a desk drawer, or unfortunately into the circular file. However, when you hand someone a book, um, that there's a certain reaction that it makes it hard for people to actually throw that book away. Nobody wants to throw a book away. So it generally will sit on a desk, will sit on a shelf so that you're, you're really staying in front of your prospect when you give them a book versus wow. a business card. A great way to stay top of mind. That's tremendous. And then also, I, I, I'll let this go in a minute, but I'm like a bulldog on this one. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that uh, I've seen that it's a tremendous difference, you know, it's the old expression, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. When you hand somebody your book, the look on their face, I mean, the, 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 their emotional reaction is almost visceral. You can sense that they, it's had a tremendous impact on them. Well, and it's special because generally when you're handing somebody your book, they may within themselves have that desire to do their own book. And so they understand or they appreciate the efforts that have gone into that. Um, and then when you reach in your pocket, grab your Sharpie, and then you offer to sign and personalize mm -hmm. that copy for them. Well, now it's now it's not only important, but it's important directly for them because you've taken the time to, to sign that book for them. That's one of my most favorite things to do ever is autograph a book for somebody. I just love that. It's tremendous. Well, let's let's move on. We talked about all kinds of amazing benefits that accrue to a published author. Why doesn't everybody do it? I mean, what would you say if you had to pick one thing as the number one reason that you've seen or heard people express about why they haven't done it? What would that one thing be? Uh, I think the two top the, the top two reasons really that when we talk with with potential authors are they think it's going to take a lot of time and, and they're intimidated by some of the the technology that's now used uh, to do that. So we're working with generally busy professionals, attorneys, CPAs, business owners, entrepreneurs whose schedules are already so time compressed that the thought of getting up an extra hour in the uh, early in the morning or staying up an hour uh, later in the evening to stare at the, the computer screen at that blank screen with that cursor just mocking them um, <laughs> is really intimidating for a lot of people. So I think that's the, the whole getting started and making the, the time commitment. Then they're worried that once they get their book done or their manuscript done, um, nobody's going to want to read it or that they don't know how to then take it beyond just being a manuscript. So they fear that nobody's going to want to publish it and nobody's going to want to read it. Those are two very common fears uh, that we hear when we're dealing with new authors. 
Boy, those are some pretty significant fears, you know, that you're going to get up an hour early or stay up an hour late every day until you get this thing done. And then even after doing that, what do you got? I mean, that that you really uh, verbalize that very clearly. Those are some pretty spe- uh, specific and, and daunting fears. So how do you help people get past that? Well, first off, uh, most busy professionals that have been in business have a content library that they kind of forget about. So we work with our uh, new authors and we do a uh, uh, an inventory of their content library. If they have appeared on podcasts or if they've contributed an article to an industry trade magazine, if they've created a white paper for their business, generally when we work with a new author and we're working on the content for their book, We'll find many times that up to 70 or 80 percent of that content already exists within them on their hard drive wow. or within their business. They've just never thought to look at all of the work that they've already created and, and thought about repurposing that into a book. That's their story. It's sitting there on their hard drive. So we can take that information like we we talked about the the attorney we had his book done in 60 days he actually had to write very little of that content from new he had white papers he had blog posts he had videos so we used all of his existing content that was all about him it was all created with his perfect customer in mind and and then use that to to create the book so the time investment got very compressed and we can get things done very very quickly for them so, I mean, it's like you just take that whole problem right out of the ta- out of the equation. It's like you're whipping the tablecloth off a table and leaving all the silverware and glassware standing. I mean, that's a pretty amazing feat. Uh, okay, so if they, uh, they actually already have a lot of this content created, but they don't realize it. I would imagine from what you just said that a big part of what you do is help them mold it into a cohesive story, that there may be these disparate articles and ideas and podcast interviews and presentations and slide decks they've done hither and yon, but you help them mold this into a single idea that can be presented as a book. Is that correct? Correct. One of the steps, uh, actually the first step in our process is called concept. And that's where we're working with new authors to define who the ideal target is, who's going to read this book, what is the big promise for the reader, because we need some reason to, to draw them in. So in my case, you said that the headline was was the big promise in my Huffington Post article that got us to this point. So we do mm-hmm. that with our authors. What is the big promise? What is the need that this book is going to fill in the uh, in the minds of your ideal prospect and client? That's fantastic. That's great. The big promise. I really like that. I remember uh, when I wrote my first book many years ago, I uh, I read a book about how to write a book. And one of the uh, most important things I learned is the that perhaps the first thing you should write is the back cover that says, in this book, you will learn. And I've never heard it expressed as the big promise, but I understand exactly what you're driving at there. And that will help people understand why they should purchase and read the book, because what they're going to get out of it, how it's going to benefit them. Well, it also helps the author stay focused on what the purpose of the book is for the reader so that 
when it comes to using all of that material, it makes it very easier, makes it very easy, makes a very binary decision. Does this piece of content fulfill on our big promise or not? So it either goes in the book or it doesn't. That's great. That's great stuff, Chuck. Well, let's say somebody listening right now uh, is has either decided or they're thinking very uh, strongly about pursuing this option. They see the value. They understand what you said, that they may well already have a lot of the content that they need. What are four or five things that they should keep in mind or s- specific steps that they should take to start advancing the ball down the field? Well, the first thing, like I said, is making sure that you understand who you're writing the the book for and, and developing your your concept. So you know who the book's for and what you're going to fulfill on them. The second step is we talked about a little bit before is looking at your content library, taking in that inventory and figuring out what you've already got um, there in your thing. The third step that we use is that the actual creation, that's creating the outline, fitting in the content, and then filling in those gaps and working with a really great editor to kind of smooth that out um, from there. At that point in the stage, then you're looking at thinking about what the covers are going to look like and how you're going to, um, what your book is going to visually look like, how it's going to be uh, presented to the reader, either in physical or digital or perhaps both uh, formats. And then kind of thinking about who's going to help you uh, market that book. How are you going to get that book out? How are you going to get that bestseller campaign launched? Great stuff. I know a question that a a lot of people thinking about writing a book have is, how many pages do I have to write? How many words do I have to have gathered together in order for me to have something that will actually be thought of as a book? That is a great question. One we we struggle, new authors struggle with all the time. Um, The short answer is just enough. And by that, I mean... (laughs) you've if you've identified your your target reader and you've identified what your big promise is you need to put enough content in that book to p- show that you are the solution to the problem that you are have identified in your client it's in your prospects rather and that that you've told the story and that you've given up up enough value to then drive that that reader to take the next step or or set them off on on the correct path in That's general, great. we generally are looking at authors who do shorter books in in about an, the eighty page uh, version, and we have uh, authors that do you know several hundred page uh, books. The other nice thing to remember is as we are looking at books moving to the digital age, no, the Nook, the Kindle, the iBooks, page count really becomes less relevant. Um, nobody, there is no hard and fast standard defined quote page count when you're looking at a digital book because that book gets reformatted for every device that it's getting viewed on. So I Mm -hmm. read on my iPhone all, all the time. Well, you know, that page on that screen is maybe 12 or 14 lines. And if someone's reading that then on an iPad, Obviously, they're going to have their page is going to contain a lot more content. So I really think the whole idea of page count is becoming really less important in the publishing world. 
That's great stuff, and and I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people understand that uh, in order to get something published in a digital form, it uh, it doesn't require as much time or as much content as it used to back in the day for a hardcover book or a paperback. And I also love what you had to say about just enough. That's how much content. Uh, if you've made good on your promise, you've, you've solved their problem, everything after that is just uh, you know superfluous. You don't need to add it in. And in today's short attention span society, people aren't likely to read it either. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Well, Chuck, uh, is there anything, I mean, you're just a wealth of information on this whole topic. Is there anything I have not asked you about that you think is a, a really important point that prospective authors need to keep in mind uh, that will help them get incentivized and, and, you know, get in gear? I think the only other point that I would add, and it's really going kind of back to uh, the article um, and a little bit uh, what you mentioned in, in the opening about uh, the, the sales volumes uh, of books. Um, mm -hmm. you know, a, as we know last year, according to Forbes, over 600,000 new titles were published just in the U S. Um, the good news is that your target audience is out there and they are buying those books. And if you understand that for the busy professional, a book really is about positioning and attracting the right client and reducing the friction in the sales flow, then if you sell one book to the right customer, hmm. that's the only book you ever need to sell. So in the case of the attorney, he sold three books to exactly the right person that he wanted to, to work with um, and then was able to uh, to bring them into his practice and really help them solve their issues with the IRS. So in effect, he sold those three copies for five figures each. Correct. Yeah. So it wasn't all about the sales volume at all. You're absolutely right. And, you know, you, you make me think of something else also. When uh, this whole idea of, uh, of positioning and, and becoming a, a recognized authority, Clearly, the person who's the author who, quote, wrote the book on the topic is perceived at a higher level than their competitor who did not. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. And I tell people that all the time when we're talking about uh, different aspects of the business where I literally wrote the book. Um, I was like, hey, you can work with me. I wrote the book on it. Here it is. Um, or you could work with someone else. And, and there may be other reasons they, they may choose to go somewhere else. And that's great. But, you know, there are very few people uh, in my local marketplace here uh, and the clients that we target um, that have my my background, my experience and my publishing cred. So um, mm -hmm. for a new for an author, for an attorney, for a financial advisor, um, if you are the one in your marketplace that wrote the book that has just elevated you so much further ahead of um, all of your competitors that have not. There's no question about it. And the, the person who wrote the book can even charge higher rates and have uh, more stringent terms in terms of uh, who they work with and who they won't. And in a lot of cases, the, it makes it a lot easier for the, uh, the, if you will, the fish to jump in the boat, for the clients to come to them rather than for them to have to put so much energy into uh, contacting, having the energy go the other direction and trying to draw people in. So it's, it's, it's just valuable in so many ways. But as you pointed out, there's some very significant barriers to entry that are keeping a lot of people from taking advantage of this. Well, Chuck, 
being that there are all these benefits and all these barriers to entry, and a lot of people listening right now might say, you know, I think what I want to do is call Chuck Boyce and have him handle all of this for me. What's the best way for people to uh, connect with you and and uh, find out more? Well, certainly, I love speaking with new and aspiring uh, authors. It's it's probably one of my my favorite parts of the day. Uh, I would welcome a call from anyone. The best thing to do is call my office at three zero two three five two nine four eight eight. You'll speak with Nancy and Nancy will get you on my schedule and we'll set up a 15 to 20 minute call to talk about your business, how you're currently positioning yourself in the marketplace and make the decision to see if a becoming a, a author of a best-selling book is the best choice uh, for your particular situation. And I take it you uh, happy to speak with them at no obligation, give them, give of your time uh, to see whether or not it's a match. Absolutely. Let me make sure I get that correct. The phone number is 302-352, and what was the rest of it? 9488. 302-352-9488, and your assistant's name is Nancy, is that correct? That is correct. Great. That's wonderful, Chuck. Well, Chuck Boyce, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here on Radio Free Enterprise. I really appreciate the time you've taken out and the wisdom you've shared. My pleasure, Frank. Thanks to Chuck Boyce, and thank you for listening. Now, here's what we need to do. You need to go to the iTunes Music Store and subscribe to the Radio Free Enterprise podcast. Maybe while you're there, you can leave me a nice high rating and a sweet review. Just saying. After that, head on back to RadioFreeEnterprise.com and register with the site so you can stay on top of all the exciting doings here at RFEHQ. You take care of that, and I'll remain Frank Felker, your fearless host. Until then, I'll see you on the radio. Making your day a little more tax deductible. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Where you-